Our reading this morning from Luke chapter 11, beginning at verse 1. One day Jesus was praying in a certain place. When he finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray, just as John taught his disciples. He said to them, when you pray, say, Father, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come. Give us each day our daily bread. Forgive us our sins, for we also forgive everyone who sins against us. And lead us not into temptation. Then he said to them, Suppose one of you has a friend, and he goes to him at midnight and says, Friend, lend me three loaves of bread, because a friend of mine on a journey has come to me and I have nothing to set before him. Then the one inside answers, Don't bother me. The door is already locked and my children are with me in bed. I can't get up and give you anything. I tell you, though, he will not get up and give him the bread because he's his friend, yet because of the man's boldness, he will get up and give him as much as he needs. So I say to you, Ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives. He who seeks finds. And to him who knocks, the door will be opened. Which of you fathers, if your son asks for a fish, will give him a snake instead? Or if he asks for an egg, will give him a scorpion? If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more would your Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? This is the Gospel of Christ. Praise to Christ the Word. Heavenly Father, such a joy to be here this morning as brothers and sisters in Christ and to think about something that uh, I'm pretty sure many of us probably struggle with and that is prayer. Uh, such an important, integral part of our Christian walk and yet something that so many of us uh, find difficult for different reasons. As we stop for a few minutes now and think about the Lord Jesus' teaching on this important issue, as we hear his wisdom and thoughts, I pray that by your spirit uh, you may uh, build us up in our understanding of it, give us a, a greater desire to do it more, because in doing it we show our dependence upon you. We ask you to be God of our lives and uh, we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. There's a uh, clip on the, uh, the Simpsons where Homer is down on his knees by the side of his bed and he's obviously about to pray. He's got a, a, a plate of biscuits and a glass of milk next to him and his life has been going pretty well in this particular episode. And then he prays. And I won't recount the whole prayer, but towards the end of it, this is what he prays. God, here's the deal. In gratitude... I present this offering of cookies and milk. If you want me to eat it, then please give me no sign. Then he waits for less than 0.5 of a second and then he says, Thy will be done and chows down on all of it. It's a funny gag, but I wonder if part of its humour is found in the way that Homer is exploiting something many of us feel about prayer at different times. That it's met with empty silence, vacuous silence, no answers. 
Prayer is one of those areas of the Christian life that, as I just prayed, is so vital and yet so many of us find it difficult for a variety of reasons. In fact, if you ever want to make a, a Christian brother or sister feel guilty, ask them how their prayer life's going. It nearly always does the trick. And there's a myriad of reasons for us finding prayer difficult. And it's worth thinking through what some of those difficulties are because then we may be able to address what's going on with us. For some of us it's just a a kind of laziness or lack of discipline, but for others of us there's more serious reasons behind it. Sometimes it's our relationship with the Lord. When your relationship's not strong with him, uh, perhaps we're not living as we know we should be for him, prayer is nearly always the first thing to suffer. It's a bit like when you've got a a relationship problem, you're avoiding a friend because we're having difficulty with them. Uh, That's what we do with prayer. The relationship's impaired and so we pull back. Uh, Of course, that that just becomes part of a vicious cycle then because the less we pray, the further from the Lord we feel and it gets worse and worse and worse. But it happens to many of us. Uh, Sometimes it's a wrong view of God that makes our prayer life difficult. Uh, Sometimes we think, even without kind of uh, maybe doing it overtly, we we think that God can't do anything about the situations in front of us. We think a family member's too far away from God to ever be saved, so we don't pray. We think a friend is too sick to ever be healed, so we don't ask. We think a situation is so awful that no solution could be found, so we don't plead. In short, we doubt that God has the ability to answer our prayers. It's not true, but we think it. Or another wrong view of God that sometimes leads to a lack of prayer is not so much that he's unable to, but sometimes we fear that he won't be willing to. Uh, Sometimes there's a a kind of good humility in us, isn't it, that we think that our prayer requests are so small and so frivolous and in the big scheme of things we're almost embarrassed to ask them. What importance is my wanting to have a good period of study for an exam coming up or some good weather tomorrow so our family can have a picnic compared to war-torn, strife-filled countries in the world? When we look around and we see we're on a planet with seven billion people, yet what are my things that I, I should go before the Lord? That's sometimes a reason that people pull away from prayer. Or like Homer, we can think that prayer is pointless because God doesn't do anything. Or sometimes people think the opposite, that because God's in charge of everything and the whole world is in his hands, why do I need to pray? Another problem with prayer is, I'm sure, the devil. I'm sure Satan tempts us to doubt prayer. He convinces us we're self-sufficient and independent and don't really need prayer because we don't really need God. He does everything he can, I'm sure, to stop us from prayer. And so it's not just Homer Simpson that's got problems. Many of us struggle with prayer in different ways. Well, this morning uh, we're back in Luke's Gospel. We're picking up from where I finished a a few weeks ago and we find in verse 1 Jesus praying. You see that a lot through Luke's Gospel. But very helpfully, as Jesus prays, one of his disciples comes up and asks him, teach us to pray. And so this morning we're going to see the wisdom of Jesus on prayer. won't cover everything, prayer is too big, but my hope is that there will be certain things that are an encouragement and a challenge for us in the area of prayer. We're getting help with some of the issues that we just mentioned from the Son of God. Uh, For those of you who like to know where we're going, I've got three points. We're going to spend a little bit more time on one and three. Two is very short. And the three points are what to pray, how to pray and what to expect. What to pray, how to pray, what to expect. So firstly, what to pray. And that comes in the answer to the disciples' question that Jesus gives. Verse 2, when you pray, 
Say, Father, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Give us each day our daily bread. Forgive us our sins, for we also forgive everyone who sins against us and lead us not into temptation. Uh, Here's one of two presentations of the Lord's Prayer uh, in the four Gospels given by Jesus. Uh, This is the the one that's slightly different, slightly shorter than the one in Matthew's that we're more familiar with, but most of us are familiar with the elements in this prayer. The question was, Jesus, teach us to pray. And then Jesus gives them this particular prayer. And so, what do we learn from this prayer? What do we learn about what to pray? There's a number of things. One is, I want you to notice, Jesus gives them what we might call a liturgical prayer. Uh, What I mean by that is, it's a set prayer that he asks them to pray. Uh, Jesus doesn't just you know, teach us to pray. Jesus just, just doesn't say, well, use these topics or use acronyms like ACTS or STAR to work out some of, the, some of you will know those, how to pray. He gives them a specific prayer to recite. Did you notice that? When you pray, say. The key word there is say. And I point that out because in some Christian circles there can be the thinking that set prayers repeated prayers, written down prayers are somehow less spiritual or less authentic or less effective. Unless you're praying from the heart, unless you're making it up on the spot, unless you're praying what we call extemporaneously, it's kind of substandard. Don't ever fall into that temptation of thinking that way. Now I'm not putting down prayer in that way. Praying in that way is a great thing to do. It's good and it's valid. It's how I usually pray. But never think it's the only way to pray or even the best way to pray. Uh, Some of the more uh, charismatic churches sometimes look down on the Anglican church for having set liturgical prayers and kind of hammer them as being a bit substandard spiritually. Well, Jesus gave us a set liturgical prayer. When you pray, say. You might say Jesus was the first Anglican. (laughs) Maybe I'm pushing it too far. Let me tell you though, just just because uh, I'm not tr- just trying to defend our position or anything like that, let me tell you why prayers like this can be good. Without discipline, prayer can become pretty selfish. Like all forms of communication. We can just fall back on how we're feeling and what we're going through. And so we just end up rubbing the lamp for our spiritual genie to meet our needs. Prayer can become like that for some of us. Whereas a set prayer usually has a lot of thought behind it, a lot of thinking behind it. And... Um, It makes sure that we pray far and wide. In the case of the Lord's Prayer, we'll see this in a moment, we pray for two kind of areas. Firstly, God's glory, then our needs, rather than just about me and what I'm going through and what I'm feeling. Also, and again, think about this, it's often very hard to pray when our feelings are all over the place, particularly when we're down, particularly when some of us are faced depression. It's very hard to pray when you're depressed. Some of you will know exactly what I'm talking about. Hard to articulate, hard to speak. A set prayer can be very helpful in that situation where you're not having to think of anything. You're just kind of reading through it and making that prayer your own. You keep saying it and praying it till you feel it, fake it till you make it kind of thing. Sometimes that almost a mantra can be helpful when we're dry spiritually. So never look down on set prayers. They've got an important role in prayer and Jesus himself gives us one here. I wonder if you also notice there's other things in the Lord's Prayer which are really helpful. The corporate nature of the prayer. It's never first, sing- singular, uh, never first person singular, I and my. It's always us and our. 
Very important. I think we miss this quite often where our prayers become very selfish. When you and I become Christians, we don't just think as individuals anymore. We're still individuals, but we never just exist as individuals anymore. We are brought into relationship with one another. Brothers and sisters in Christ, the family of God. Therefore, it's never just ourselves. And the Lord's Prayer exemplifies this. Give us today our daily bread. We're never just praying for ourselves anymore. We're praying for one another. It's corporate. Notice too, as I said a few moments ago, there's two clear distinctions within the prayer. It starts off with us praying of our concern for the honour and glory of God. Father, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. But then it moves to us praying for his concern for us. So it goes from our concern to his glory and honour, from his concern to us. Give us today our daily bread. Forgive us. That twofold aspect of prayer is so important. We pray for God's glory. God's honour, and then we pray for his concern for us and our own needs. And then when we move to our needs in the prayer again, you see two aspects to that too. We pray for the physical, the daily bread, and we pray for the spiritual, forgiveness and temptation. Happy is the person indeed who's blessed daily with bread and the mercy of God. What else could you want? So teach us to pray is the question. And Jesus gives us here the Lord's Prayer. Set prayers are allowed, you see. They should never be selfish but corporate. They should be God-focused and needs-focused, physical and spiritual. That's what to pray uh, from the Lord Jesus. Uh, Secondly, how to pray. Uh, The interesting thing is that Jesus doesn't leave it just with the Lord's Prayer. He goes on to say a few more things. And the second one I want us to think about is how to pray. So let's have a look at verses 5 to 8. Then Jesus said to them, Suppose one of you has a friend and he goes to him at midnight midnight, and says, Friend, lend me three loaves of bread because a friend of mine on a journey has come to me and I have nothing, nothing to set before him. Then the one inside answers, Don't bother me. The door is already locked and my children are with me in bed. I can't get up and give you anything. I tell you, though he will not get up and give him the bread because he's his friend, yet because of the man's boldness he will get up and give him as much as he needs. Now this is a little parable of the Lord Jesus and and some people get worried with it because they read too much into it and they think that God is the friend in the bed that won't give just because of friendship. But this parable is not about God's attitude. That will be the next few verses that we're about to see. This parable is what Jesus is saying our attitude should be. What should our attitude be as we pray? And the whole only point of the parable is found in verse 8. The guy gets bread, why? Not because of friendship, but because of his boldness. That word boldness is the key in that little parable. In fact, that word boldness is not found anywhere else in the Bible. It can also be translated shamelessness. There's a kind of, uh, you wouldn't expect it. You go knocking on, who's, who's knocked on someone's door at midnight? It's not an easy thing to do unless you don't like them, but then it's a bit easier. But when, you're, when it's genuine, it's not an easy thing to do. The point that Jesus is making is that sometimes we're reluctant to ask. Sometimes we worry about bothering God or, you know, it's just me and there's lots going on. Or there. Jesus says, pray boldly, shamelessly. I don't know about you, but I can relate to that kind of feeling. I'm the kind of person who doesn't want to bother people. I don't, I don't want to be a pain and... Uh, But notice this man's request isn't selfish. It's actually for someone else. 
but it required boldness to ask. I think actually if you're worried about God being, you know, not giving things because of friendship, if the man in the bed shows anything, I think it's the how much more principle. We're going to see that in the next few verses when Jesus says, if evil human fathers give good gifts, how much more would your heavenly father who's good give good gifts? Here I think it's if even grumpy neighbours will give bread when there's boldness, think how much more a good gracious God will. But what Jesus is saying here, do you see the point? Pray boldly. Pray boldly. The things on your heart and in your head, give them to the Lord. He asks us to. He wants us to. He's instructed us to. It's wrong when we don't. So secondly, how to pray? Pray boldly. Thirdly, what to expect. What should we expect when we pray boldly? Well, let's read on verse 9. So I say to you, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock, and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives. He who seeks finds, and to him who knocks, the door will be opened. Which of you fathers, if your son asks for a fish, will give him a snake instead? Or if he asks for an egg, sorry, that's just my son, I'd give him. Or if he asks for an egg, will give him a scorpion. If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? Now put those verses together for a moment. What should we expect when we pray boldly from these verses? There's two aspects. One, that our prayers are answered. And two, that it's going to be a good answer. Do you see that? Ask, seek and knock and you will receive, find and open. That's saying our prayers will be answered. And then our heavenly father giving better things than earthly fathers, that that says that it will be a good answer. What should we expect when we pray boldly? That God will answer our prayers and it will be a good answer. That's what Jesus says here. We should absolutely expect our our prayers to be answered with good answers when we pray boldly. If you expect the Homer Simpson no sign reply, don't pray. The words of Jesus here, do you see, are incredible. This changes life. Our prayers will always be answered and they will always be good answers. I want you to know that in your head and in your heart today. I want you to walk out those doors knowing that, that when you pray boldly, it will be answered and it will be a good answer. Now as soon as I say that, our minds immediately go to prayers we've said that we feel haven't been answered. Situations not resolved. The friend we prayed for healing and it didn't happen. The family member we prayed to become a Christian and it didn't happen. The pain we asked to go and it hasn't. Where's the answer to those? Friends, we're not promised the answers we think are right. We're not promised the solutions we propose or on the timing schedule that we think is right. But we are promised here by Jesus an answer and a good answer. And we've got to be really clear on this because otherwise we will become troubled and bitter and frustrated and questioning and doubting and angry at some of the most difficult stages of our life. The very times that we pray most desperately, we may not receive the answers we want or expect or the timing and then we get even worse. But friends, God doesn't promise it in that way. And probably the strongest example of God's good answers to prayers not being the same as the personal desire of that prayer comes from Jesus himself. Do you remember his prayer in Gethsemane the night before he died? 
Do you remember what he said? Father, take this cup from me, yet not what I will, but you will. He was praying there, do you remember, the night before he died, that God would take the cup from him. Remember the cup was God's wrath. He was praying that he would not have to go through with the cross. But that's not the answer that he received. The cross happened. And the cross is awful, painful, evil, and yet God brings so much good through it. Please don't judge the answer to your prayers based on ease or peace or it being painless or it being immediate. Things may not change straight away. Bad situations may continue. Our preferred option may not eventuate. But trust God because his promise is he answers and it will be a good answer. He knows the end from the beginning. He knows all the moving parts and what may happen afterwards. He has it all in his hands and you can trust him. He's our Father. That's one of the wonderful truths of these verses. In the example prayer, the Lord's Prayer, he tells us to pray to our Father. Here in verse 13 he calls God our Father in heaven. That's who God is now. He's not just the God who's in charge of all things. He's your Father that loves you. You can trust him to answer your prayers and it will be good. And just for any here today who find the idea of any kind of father difficult, He's not like earthly fathers. Jesus here says that uh, he calls earthly fathers evil, all of them. And uh, there's a sense that that's right because none of us who are fathers, who are human beings, do all our relationships properly. But God as Father is different. He leads and protects and teaches and loves and feeds perfectly. You can trust him. Even if your earthly father let you down, and all of us earthly fathers do that to some extent, but some earthly fathers do it in terrible ways and it's very difficult but your heavenly Father is so different. You can trust him. And with prayer, we've got such incredible access to our Father, such incredible access to the throne of God, the one who's creator and in charge of all things. Uh, back in the, I think it was in the 60s, there were some, um, there were some press photos. I'd be interested to see whether anyone remembers this, but there were some press photos of the new American president, who was John F. Kennedy at the time, uh, in the White House, at the, the Oval Office, at his desk. And does anyone remember what else, who else was in the photos? His young kid, Jack, Jack Jr. And it, w- it was interesting because the desk was opened up. There was a little panel which the you know, little kids love to investigate and explore and all that kind of thing. He'd opened it up and you've got up here the desk with the President of the United States sitting there and then in a hole at the front of the desk a little kid kind of going like that, waving out the thing. That child had access to the most powerful room in the world. And not just the access that only a few people can ever go into the White House, only a few can go into the Oval Office, not many can play in the desk. Uh, He could. Why? Because his father was the president. Your father is the Lord God of everything, the one who holds the world in his hands and you have absolute direct access to him in prayer. And he promises that he will answer prayers and those answers will be good. Even if you can't say, you can trust him. Cry out to him boldly and he will answer you with a good answer. It may not be what our preference is, it may not be our timing, it may not be a number of things, but it will be answered and it will be good. 
And I want to finish with this and, and, and kind of dwell on it just for a moment because it's so important for us to know this. It's so important in the Christian life to know this in your head so that when your experiences and feelings lead you to worry and lead you to doubt or to question, you can know in your head and in your will the truth that God is answering your prayers and those answers are good. One of the incredible benefits of being a Christian is we can trust God to work out the evil of this world and the pain of this world for good in the end. His way at the right time. In a world full of evil, he brings good from it, which means that nothing is wasted. No pain is missed. No evil deed is is meaningless. Without God, it's a totally different ballgame. Do you see that? If you're seeking justice because you've been wronged and it never comes, it never will be if there's no God. If you're after relief from pain of an awful situation, it may never come and no benefit may come from it if there's no God.
and a desire to live for you. Father, help us be people of prayer. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.